Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Welcome to the Colton Collective Podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Dave AC and the Sixth Doctor. Hello, everybody, and welcome to yet another studio show for the Golden Collective Podcast. And we've got a smaller-than-usual collective. Joining me, of course, with glass in hand is Mr. Dave AC. Hello, Dave. Hi, Ian. Hi, uh, everyone. And speaking of everyone, joining us yet again, you may have seen him on our last studio show, Mr. Randall Thor. Hello, everyone. How are you today? Yeah, it was so good we invited him back. Yeah, he was well behaved. <laughs> and his mother says he's a good little boy. <laughs> Speaking of good little boys, it's Mr. Merlin McCarley. Hello, sir. Good day, freaky people. <laughs> you got that right. <laughs> yes, yes. Just so we have a foursome going on. Oi. Hello. <laughs> Quick nurse, the screens. <laughs> so what gathers us all around the microphones on this Saturday night, we're here to talk about sequels, spin-offs, and the like. And this is almost a sequel or spin-off to uh, the Colton Collective. Uh, this is a studio show, after all. Isn't it, Dave? Yeah, we're talking about, uh, you know, going to the well once too often, or in my case, uh, going to the bottle once too often. But basically, um, it's uh, we've just come off, and we're going to give uh, Randall Thor a little chance to um, promote the show that um, hopefully will be up by the time you hear this one, plug, uh, which plug. was... Re- what? Plug, what? plug. Plug, 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 plug yeah. Plug. Um, which was related to... Um, Stargate Universe, and um, in talking in the after show after that, I said to Ian, you know, there are lots of these um, uh, subjects that come up where uh, they have a reworking. So obviously we've had all the different guises of uh, 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 Stargate. We've had all the different guises of Star Trek. Even Doctor Who has been uh, under some scrutiny for uh, having all the different spin-offs. Uh, and of course in film, uh, Superman, Batman, Spider-Man, they've all had their own uh, endless sequels. So basically, that's just the idea for a little impromptu show uh, quite late on in the evening. But uh, Mike, do you just want to give us a brief outline of the show you've just recorded? Because hopefully that will be up on uh, live by the time this show goes out. 
Sure. The, uh, the, my show is, of course, The Rat Project Live. It goes out uh, live Saturday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Talk Show ID 21129. And tonight we were discussing uh, our thoughts on Stargate Universe sh- uh, so far and what we hope to see as the season progresses in a few months. Oh, but you're missing a, a, a rather wonderful detail of your oh, show. Yes. We oh, had yes. a guest! <laughs> There was a very special and very unexpected guest on our show tonight, uh, Sherry Smith, uh, the mother of Brian Jacob Smith, who plays Lieutenant Matt, uh, Lieutenant Matt Scott on Ram. Stargate Universe, was Sorry, that loud. <laughs> a very special guest in text chat tonight, and I'd like to thank her for joining the show. Yes, and she, uh, uh, we can't put, we're not got a live chat show here so we can't actually put links up but she one of the things that i hadn't heard about were these um what do you call them little webograms are web um, webisodes 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 um is there anything we can say about that here yeah they're on the uh the main uh stargate website for mgm uh sci-fi.com slash universe right the yeah you can get there through the the sci-fi, the Ziffy channel. Uh, <laughs> no, we love you. Yes, really, really, yes. Uh, but yes, there's a lot of webisodes that go coupled with the episodes themselves. There's a lot of behind-the-scenes footage on there as well. Uh, behind-the-scenes making knobs, etc., etc. Uh, I was going to say, aren't they, they call them Kino episodes, don't they? Right. After the little things. I think uh, looking, they're also on YouTube because I think up to episode 18 was a link that she gave for a YouTube version of that as well. Right. Yes. So check those out. Uh, they're just uh, little either in-betweens or something that'll ex- finish off explaining an episode or something that you didn't quite see the end of during uh, for those of you who don't know, the keynotes they use for recording what's going on on the ship, um, little messages they want to send home, things like that. So check them out. Uh, before we go too far into into this discussion, I have a little bit of news that uh, popped up online this week. Spider-Man 4 will no longer be uh, involve... Um, Toby. Toby McGuire or Sam Raimi. Uh, apparently, Sony, in its infinite wisdom, have decided to do a reboot. Actually, the, the reason for this is Sam Raimi didn't want to do anything with 3D, and that's how they're going with the next yeah. Spider-Man movie. And and for all of those out there who said, well, that's, it's just as well they got rid of Sam Raimi because the last one was useless – the thing that made the last movie useless was the pressure that Sony put on Sam to uh, put Venom in the movie and uh, basically all the things that they wanted in the movie that he didn't. Uh, and they almost came to uh, a separation on that movie as well. But uh, he cut out to what they wanted and that's what we ended up with. So for all of those going, well, yes, great, Sony's going to make a different movie now, and it's going to be fabulous. We'll see. Well, I'm not really convinced about this 3D, although I've rarely seen stuff. But one would assume that the Spider-Man with him swinging on his web, you know, Spider-Man, Spider-Man, you you would think that actually would uh, lend itself to the 3D effect. 
Well, to tell you the truth, I don't bloody care about 3D because I can't see it. Right. I I have a problem with my uh, right eye, and I can't see 3D, so... 3D so you're movies, not so low. Sorry, you're not so low. give me a headache. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's, you're not alone. I think there's, a, there's quite a proportion that it doesn't work for, isn't it? It's right. about 15%. To me, it's like uh, movies, except for uh, The Blind, uh, work for everybody. Uh, by then going to 3D, you're shutting out those people who can't see 3D as well. So to me, it's kind of pointless to spend all that money on. Well, I mean, yeah, it works to a certain extent. I mean, I've heard that, that seeing things in... Uh, IMAX is is just as cool, and plus you don't have to wear glasses. But if they came out with a 3D that didn't involve glasses and 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 was free from the constraints of you know people with partial sight, I'd be all over it. But yeah, yeah. and I'd like to ask Merlin about that. But before I do, uh, and I don't think this is stealing Mike's thunder because, um, as I say, hopefully his show will be up fairly quickly but um one other thing that you got from that show was um the possible start our restart date for stargate universe as well didn't you yeah that's april 2nd yeah, Groundhog Day. <laughs> oh is that what it is right yes. excellent okay uh Merlin, well, before we get to the main yeah. topic 3d have you got any thoughts on that uh I haven't seen uh, a, a relatively new film in 3D, so even though I'm hearing mixed things, you know, people that that have an issue with one eye or the other, I understand that. But a lot of folks have been talking about as, as long as it's like a background enhancement instead of, you know, things shooting out at you, it seems to work a lot better in context of what they're trying to get across. And uh, I don't know. I'll have to wait and see. I'd like to see like Up in 3D where that's supposed to be the case with that. Right. It gives only, you more depth rather than things firing across your head. An enhancement, and that's what they're utilizing it as now. So, yeah. My only additional comment here is that during C, the Consumer Electronics Show, one of the discussions that came out of that was, is 3D the future for video games? And my take on that is that 3D is not the future of video games because it doesn't really add anything to immersion. Sure, you see things with the glasses on, you see things all around, but that doesn't really add that much to games. So my response to the whole, is 3D, 3D the future to video games? No. True immersion in video games comes from the way the story is written and the, and the way the, the, the way the way the story is written and the, w- and the way the controls are right. being able to say wow. oh i see something farther in the distance doesn't really add right. that much to me the, well, the, okay. the the Wii is the way forward that kind of control enhancements where you can uh attach something to your hand i mean yeah the effects aren't great on the Wii, but being able to wield a lightsaber in uh force unleashed mm-hmm. just Put you in the game that much more. You can actually swing the lightsaber, and and, and it, I don't know. It just adds something to be able to interact with the game that way. That's what I think the future of gaming is: is, is total interaction with the environment rather than the environment coming out at you. Right. Well, I would agree with that. I mean, what are the? I mean, I just bought um, the Tiger Woods '09. I didn't because I got that cheap. I didn't buy Tiger Woods '10 because. 
to me the full price wasn't worth it because they haven't yet cracked that nut on the PlayStation 3 of, of being able to have, you know, the proper golf swing and things like that. And and, and that definitely is what the Wii has, has brought to the gaming world. But, I mean, I remember 10 years back, it was all about... Um, Talking about 3D, it was it was actually virtual reality was was going to be the big thing. Mm. But one of the reasons why they want to do it with games, as far as I understand it, Mike, is that um, because of to save computing power in the past, um, if if you if there's a tree or a tank behind a hill, the computer didn't have to render it if it knew that the hill was in front of it. So that they put what's called Z depth. Um, analysis on it or something so that the the computer only rendered what was visible the fact that that render uh, that computation is already within the program itself embedded within the program it's supposedly going to be very easy to extract that depth depth information to change a game from 2d into 3d and that's probably the driving force they can convert a game to 3d for maybe 10, 15% of the cost as doing it with a film. Right. Yeah. Okay. A- anyway, we're kind of getting off uh, <laughs> off track. Yeah. <laughs> Funny so, thing that. Your yeah. point. <laughs> your point, B. <laughs> so, welcome, we, welcome to the Coltham Studio Shows where the topic is staying off topic. Yes. Well, actually, I know I'm going to I'm going to pull us firmly on topic. <laughs> we we started with Stargate, so I I think that's where we should start. I mean, I was... I mean, one of the movies I remember going to was was uh, Stargate, the movie, and loving the idea that uh, we were brought here by alien civilization and the, the pyramids were built by aliens. I thought that was... It was kind of cashing in on, on some of these theories that people had that you know oh well the egyptians had help etc cetera, etc cetera. and it, it did a good a, a good job looking back at the movie it's it's all right it's not as good as i remember it uh and i think one of the reasons for that is because that stargate sg1 expanded so much on it i mean they they established they dug the well and and sg1 dove right in with a with a rope around their foot, as it were. Yeah, how many how many series did that go on for the the original one? About eight, was it? Well, Nine? apparently, at some point, somebody said that it was the longest running sci-fi show ever. Unfortunately, they were they were they they had to redact that, and uh... they were talking strictly about American sci-fi series with that. Yeah, right. Pride, or to justify it by saying continually running and putting in uh, all kinds of all kinds of qualifiers to it but uh, no <laughs> no yeah. sorry doctor who doctor who it's like saying the longest running soap is you know days of our lives no it's coronation street sorry <laughs> oh what will we mean sit in one specific location not in britain <laughs> uh, but I mean, what were your guys' thoughts on the original Stargate movie? Without the preconception of, of, of a series following after. I actually, I actually saw it when it was in, uh, in the cinema originally. And 
What, were you three? Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> and it was it was a great idea for a story. I liked the, the whole the whole concept of this uh, portal that was left in in Egypt and the, the playing into uh, Egyptian mythology with and tying it into to aliens. I, I like that. It really worked. And when I later on when I found out that there was a series that that it was based that based on the movie was based on the movie was really cool. But yeah, the, the movie on its own was I liked it. For those of you who don't know, uh, the, the the series uh, SG One was uh, originally produced on Showtime, and so a lot of us didn't pick it up until later, until it uh, started being syndicated. Uh, I picked it up on WGN. Uh, it- so, Dave. Well, yeah, I, I, I was just looking up. Uh, the, the film came out in 1994. I could have sworn it came out earlier than that. I, I thought it came out in the late 80s. But, uh, yeah, I, I thought it was very well approached. There was um, a slow revealing of the storyline. Um, there was the, the actual awe and wonder as they actually went through the Stargate. And, of course, I mean, by definition, it was all very new. And although I wouldn't put it, I mean, it wasn't the same as when I went to see Star Wars. I mean, that was really, uh, you know, uh, you came out of there a different person almost, you know, lightsaber in hand and what have you. But it certainly was um, uh, a very different and powerful um, and it definitely had its own, um, what's the word, its own mythos, its own characterization. And it was a whole new world of science fiction. And I think it did that very well. Um, the actual Stargate one, um, I think I dropped out of that after about five or six years because um, it seemed as though it had gone full circle to me. And right. um, I came back to it with um, Stargate Atlantis, I think. Right. Merlin. Oh, geez. Huh? Huh? Can you hear me? What? Hear me? Yes. yes. Okay. I didn't know if his mic was messing up again. Um, I guess I'm sidetracked by the the fact that uh, when start when it started on Showtime, there was nudity involved, mm-hmm. and those are impossible to get now. So it's yes, I've heard about that a little bit. I've I've got the ones with with nudity in. Or you can find them, but it, not on DVD release. I've I've got the original DVD release. The the oh. remastered DVD release took the nudity out. Gotcha. It was only in actually the pilot episode. Uh, yeah, it was Daniel Jackson's what? wife when he was yeah she was abducted. By, yeah, and she was going to have the uh, gold inserted in her right. abdomen. It's actually a very very brief scene. They make an awful yeah. lot out of nothing, but she very was brief. rather spectacular, yeah. frankly. <laughs> And was this to get a different, a lower certificate for the DVD? It was Is just that something that um, Showtime, I, I guess, from what I've read, it was something that Showtime wanted, but the producers and directors were not quite happy with the fact that, you know, well, it's on Showtime, you know, we've got to have something that makes it worth putting on Showtime. And so they, they kind of, but after that, it there was never much made of... Uh, there was never an attempt to, to cash in, in a, on on that. I think they wanted to basically there to 
to pull an audience in, like, ooh, there's some Correct. boobs. <laughs> well, they certainly did that with Star Trek Enterprise, but we're not, we're not going there just yet. But, I no. mean, uh, let's stay with the... Right. But the, the original DVD releases, at least the ones I have, the original box sets of seasons, you know, season one does have the nudity in the uh, Children of the Gods, which is the, the pilot episodes. But the remastered versions that are coming out now, gotcha. There's actually it's actually one one DVD. It's it's the pilot episode, Children of the Gods, that they remastered and everything and reworked, uh, and they drop that scene out of it, which is like all of three seconds when they basically strip a robe off, then they then they lay her on the table and you don't really see an awful lot. So. Strange, yeah. Um, but it's a good market for you. <laughs> so the the original movie. What did you What did you think? The original film. Um, I think I saw that when I was in uh, upstate New York. It had already been out on uh, VHS at the time. Oh wow! So, <laughs> yeah, I didn't see it in the theaters. I think I was too busy. What's VHS? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> good goal. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, I love that film. Oh, but like I said, James Spader does it for me. I, that's you know, you can't replace him. <laughs> I, I know, well, I know. I mean, I think I think at this point we can, since we've covered the movie to a certain extent, we can we can now press on into SG One. The funny thing for me is when I first caught it in uh, syndication. Which, I mean, I had no idea. I was just scanning through and I was like, they made a series out of Stargate? Wow, that's amazing. And it wasn't until the third episode that I realized it wasn't James Spader. You, uh, oh, okay. I could tell the difference. <laughs> I, I knew that something wasn't quite right, but the characterization was there. I mean, as the series went on, they changed it because you had to. I'm sorry, Daniel yeah. Jackson couldn't stay that same Uber geek, Uber geek that he was, but I, 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 I heart the uh, SG one Daniel Jackson. I'm sorry, because <laughs> he wasn't so stupid, <laughs> and and the, and the big thing for me, I guess, is because in a movie you get uh, an hour and a half to maybe two hours. To establish characters, you know, uh, for five to ten characters, you know, you've got that amount of time. But over over the period of SG One being on on TV, you can really really delve into those characters, and you get more of the backstory, and and especially especially in uh, the first series. I think they covered really more of uh, the backstory of uh, Jack O'Neill's character issue in the movie than they really ever tried to cover it in the series, though. Really? Of his son, yeah, and why he retired and all that, yeah. Oh, there was. Oh, and I gotta, I gotta, I gotta find the episode title <laughs> because there's there's one episode that really kind of encapsulated. Encapsulates the whole thing. Uh, I'll 
explain it if I can, because I'm not entirely sure of the uh, the episode title. But they arrive on a planet where uh, there's a, a crystal-type entity, which um, has been all but destroyed because they couldn't, the Gwaul couldn't figure out what it was, so they destroyed it. But there was one intact uh, crystal, and it ends up taking on the form of uh, of O'Neill and that going was back ep- to Earth. That was episode 7 from season 1, Cold S- Lazarus. Cold Lazarus. That one is fabulous and really exploring the the dynamic and, and what really happened um, with, with Jack and his son and his wife. And it, it, it's fabulous. It's it's a great little episode. Um, yeah. Dave. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. Um, I, I'm just looking at the the wiki site. There were actually ten seasons yes. of Stargate One. Uh, uh, 214 episodes, which uh, ran from uh, July '97. So it says here 2007. I'm I'm not quite sure how it ran as late as that because I I feel as though it finished um, quite a bit longer ago than that. Well, but, here's um, the thing: uh, they, they finished the Go World story arc, okay, season six, and then for the last uh, season, well, it might have been season season seven, but during the last two or three seasons, they uh, Richard Dean Anderson left the show, and they brought in a few character, a few new characters, two from. Farscape, yeah, and Claudia, had a new Claudia Black and uh, uh, Ben Browder from Farscape joined. And they the also cast. brought in Bo Bridges to replace as the new uh, general, General Landry. And they had a new st- a story arc involving the Ori, which were the new threat. Which is when the whole thing fell apart. Yeah, and that that story arc was where the the Gold were based on Egyptian uh, mythology. The Ori was rooted in. The Legends of King Arthur and Camelot. Right. Well, I think, thankfully, I missed that part. Right. I think I must have left after about uh, six episodes. And it was... uh, Now, I'm looking at Wiki, and it says Stargate Infinity next, but I remember jumping straight back into it with Stargate Atlantis. Infinity was an animated series that ran on Fox Kids Saturday mornings for about ten episodes. And it's a completely forgettable series. It's not part of the part of the official canon. Canon. It wasn't made by the by the, by the producers of Bride Cooper and the others. It was its own series. It, Infinity took place in the future of Stargate, uh, twenty twenty or somewhere there around. It was basically a group of characters who were on the run through Star, who worked for Stargate. There were it was a Stargate Stargate group. They were framed for a crime, framed for a murder, and they were trying to collect evidence to prove their innocence. It didn't run... It was cancelled after 10 episodes. That says right. it all. It says 26 episodes were made, so perhaps they got an airing on DVD. But then, of yeah. course, uh, we, we... And I hadn't realised this, that Stargate Atlantis, 100 episodes, 5 series. I mean, I know there was a lot of controversy controversy when it came to actually suddenly being axed and very quickly Stargate Universe being uh, put in its place. But um, I I rather enjoyed Stargate Atlantis. I thought there was a, you know, there was a freshness that came back to it. There was a 
quite a bit of uh, light-hearted humour. Uh, I liked um, quite a number of the cast in that the you know the brainy chap and the doctor and the uh, and the 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 military guy and even the the they had a strong leader didn't they the woman who led it you know a little bit like Catherine Janeway in style and so on she uh, was a bit wet to, well, to my I mean I I did like I did like Atlantis it was it was a pretty good show I found her to be a little bit wet. McKay was fu- always funny. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah there's one particular funny. episode of, of Atlantis where he's uh, stranded in a uh, in a jumper. Uh, not no, not a big woolly thing. God. Uh, no, he's standing stranded in a jumper at the bottom of the ocean, and he's trying to figure out a way of getting out of there, and. It's never really explained, but he gets like a, a bump on the head, and he starts seeing Samantha Carter, and oh, yeah. and she's she's always talking to him and and that, and he goes, well, if you're part of my you know subconscious, then I can make you do whatever I want, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it's because it's a some form of whale type creature above, and so we're never quite sure whether they're telepathically communicating with him or or what but basically the Samantha helps him out of it so but she always claims that she's part of his subconscious but uh, McKay was great and so was uh, the doctor um help me out yeah I'm trying to think of his name he actually got a very minor part in the uh, latest Star Trek film uh, he was mooted to be um get the, uh, the job of Scotty, but uh, they gave him a consolation prize, I think. But uh, right. anybody got coming across with the name? It's not coming to me at the moment. Um, oh, boy. Um, We're going to have to turn it out geek cards after this. Tell you. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm, I'm searching through a list of the names here. Uh, which, which? Okay. While I'm mentioning it, the other crossover we had, of course, Robert Picardo came into it at one point, didn't he? This, that's where I, I started losing track of the show, is because they started once um, oh, once Tori Higginson left, it seemed to, you know, then uh, Amanda Tapping came in, and Robert Picardo came in, and it was just going through this constant change, which just seemed to me that uh, what do you, what's going on? You you don't have a solid cast anymore. And story with the last season. Speaking of change, all right, uh, Doctor Beckett. Ah, that's it, Doctor Beckett, as played by the wonderful Paul McGillian. I love him. A Scotsman on a, a Scotsman as a medic. Love him. Um, and he was actually written out of the show, not by choice either, but later ended up rejoining it. And I, I'm wondering if that was uh, because a lot of fans protested, because he was a well-loved character. Yeah, certainly was. And uh, very early on within, it was in season two, uh, Rainbow Sun Franks was written out of the show as well. 
he had been infected by a wraith, and they kind of started going on a a, a storyline with that, which never went anywhere, which bugged the heck out of me. There was another crossover in a way, as well as um, that actor was possibly going to play Scotty, uh, because the engineer from uh, Star Trek... um, well, the Star Trek Deep Space Nine, he actually made a guest appearance in Stargate as well, didn't he? As one of the alien leaders. Yeah. yeah. Calm Meany. Yep, Calm Meany. Calm Meany, yeah. So Merlin, Cal- anything on uh, SG-1 or uh, Atlantis? Uh, no, not as much. Just, just move along. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course... Fun, fun uh, watching, but that's about it, right? That's right. a... Yeah. Yeah. And uh, another one of the things that, uh, again, this is something that you will have hopefully heard in um, Mike's show by the time you're listening to this, um, Stargate Universe, which has got one season. Uh, were we, was it confirmed that a second series has been given the go-ahead? Yes, sci-fi confirmed it i think back in november they had a press release saying they were renewing sanctuary for a new season and stargate universe for a new season Uh, and presumably they've all been signed up for a few years anyway so um right um also atlantis and i believe uh sg1 uh have at least one more dvd uh, direct to DVD release coming out. Yeah, I know that uh, uh, the arc, arc was, of truth, arc, arc of, of truth concluded the Ori story arc. Right, and there was another one, Continuum, which was a standalone. Well, it concluded Baal's story. Right, um, they were all right. I mean, Continuum was a little wibbly wobbly, timey wimey. Yeah, um, I, uh, I don't know about the Atlantis movie I think uh, what's it called Uh, the Atlantis film is called Project Twilight and uh, hmm. Uh, sorry I'm reading as I go here this is uh, Malusi called the Atlantis Project uh, uh, Atlantis film Project Twilight until the title of the first Atlantis film was revealed as Stargate Extinction in late May 2009. Yeah. Confirmed actors are Amanda Tapping as Samantha Carter, David Hewlett as Rodney McKay, Joe Flanagan as John Shepard, Rachel Luttrell as uh, Taylor, Jason Momoa as uh, Ronan, Robert Ricardo as Richard Wolsey, and uh, Christopher, I won't say his last name because I'll screw it up, as Todd. Oh. Uh, so yeah, I'm not sure about the DVD, the the direct DVD stuff. It's 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 fun. It gives you something to watch. But I wasn't impressed by the two Stargate ones. It, the, the SG one ones. They were, I don't know. Right. It wasn't. It, and why didn't you just continue the show if you were going to do two movies? You could have done four or five episodes on that stuff and kind of kept it going. Right. I mean, before we move off Stargate, because, I mean, we're talking about not just Stargate in the show, but we're talking about 
shows that where they sort of keep going back and to the well, as it were. Uh, we know that Mike is a little bit of a gamer. I mean, they, they also had game releases. Uh, Stargate won the Alliance, Stargate Resistance, Stargate Worlds. There were also Stargate trading cards, role-playing games. I mean, they milked it, didn't they? A pinball game, even. I mean... Stargate Worlds, I just wanted to jump in here. Stargate Worlds is is the new MMORPG, massively multiplayer online role-playing game that's in the works to tie into the to the series. Its beta version is coming out soon, uh, with the final game coming out by the end of the year, I think. Supposedly. But this has been planned for an awful long time. Yeah, it has been. It's been bounced around from uh, company to company, from what I've been aware of. I mean, I signed up for beta, I think, like four years ago. Uh, <laughs> so it's been bounced around a while. Uh, and how... I mean, I, I guess it could work if you manage to get like four or five people on there and become a SG team. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. I'd rather it's... play just a, a straight-out computer game. And you said yeah. that there were some? Yeah. I think I just uh, read a, a, a list of a few. I mean, there were... Um, but the, the whole point was that... Um, oh, I've, I've lost the actual list there. Oh, here we are. Uh, Stargate Resistance, uh, uh, Stargate SG-1, The Alliance. Right. You see, I mean... I mean, I'm glad they're doing that because, you know, like all good sci-fi shows, you can have some... You could have some computer games to... I mean, it's always nice to be able to kind of delve into the world and explore it yourself. I mean, it's one of the reasons why I like going on Second Life, because you can go into a TARDIS uh, at Katrina and, and play around. Um, I don't think I'd... I don't really think you could have a Doctor Who game that could really kind of um, encapsulate the whole show in all in one go, but yeah. it's beside the point we'll get to that when we get to it <laughs> one last thing to add that I add on here is that one of my friends is taking part in the the, the, the closed beta for Star Trek Online which came out, well, the beta came out about a week ago and he's been having a lot of fun in that universe Well, it's, it's good because really there's never really been a good Star Trek game yeah <laughs> I agree there yeah they've never, they've always tried but failed i mean away teams wasn't too bad and the the um elite force games weren't too bad i i rather enjoyed elite force because you could explore voyager and then the second one you were kind of exploring um starfleet command etc etc so it wasn't too bad i mean you got the fire a phaser and stuff like that so yeah, yeah, Star Trek Tactics on the DS wasn't that great, but uh, Star Trek Legacy on the Xbox, it was okay. Right, right. so I think it were the appropriate point then to say we've ended with the Stargate and we're, we're firmly mm-hmm. on to the, uh, the, the, the Star Trek franchise now. Oh, yes. <laughs> In the beginning, there was Kirk, Spock, <laughs> and the original Enterprise. I mean, I remember watching that. I mean, I didn't, of course, I didn't see it when it first screened. Well, it could have been when it first screened in New Zealand because it, takes a, it took a while for things to get there. 
but I remember watching it on on Saturdays and Sundays, um, and and really enjoying it uh, as much as there was of it. I mean, well, they made know, about seventy odd episodes, didn't they? I mean, right. uh, I mean, but uh, I mean, three years worth of stuff is is nothing really compared to to what you get now. Uh, you get a lot more time to develop characters and everything. Back then, of course, you know, there wasn't a lot of development. Unless you count Shatner ripping his shirt off and this is what we humans call kissing. <laughs> he, he, he certainly had uh, what they call uh, uh, what was the, uh, um, uh, a grand style uh, uh, you know, wrapped up in ham, I think they call it. Yeah. <laughs> but he actually nailed that part. I mean, oh. I would, I would actually have liked to see the chap who played uh, Captain Pike, um, Hunt. Is it um, the original, um, the original person who was going to play the part? Right. Um, help me out, guys. Jeffrey Hunter. Jeffrey Hunter. Thank you. Um, I, I would have loved to have seen him play the part because, I mean, he was a fabulous actor, I thought. And, um, yeah, I mean, but even today, uh, I've only just commented uh, a couple of days ago on my, my V-blog that um, I've just caught on CBS Action here in the UK. They're showing uh, the original Star Trek series. I saw the, watched The Trouble with Tribbles yesterday, but they're showing it from the uh, the cleaned up ones in terms of um, it was actually in widescreen. So it wasn't in the, the full frame four by three aspect right. as it originally aired. Of course, it was filmed. And one of the great things about some of these old shows, because they were filmed, uh, they can be rescanned. And uh, I'm sure I've heard Lewis uh, really raving about the actual blu-ray disc of it so um and there's no doubt about it that if we start to come on about some of the um the the spin-offs to it some of the stories got rehashed uh with very little veiled um to, to show that they were actually the basic the same story retold right um apparently from what um lewis trapani had said a, a few months back what they were doing is they went through and they remastered a lot of them and they redid a lot of the special effects. Yeah. Like the orbit of the Enterprise around a planet. and a the, uh, They also redid a lot of the music right. along with the exterior shots of the ship. Right. And, 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 and scenery down on the planets. Like uh, I remember one shot that, he, uh, that Lewis put in his, in his blog was um, a scene of a, a palace. And it, it, it just looks a lot better. Um, Even the credits at the end are all redone. You know, they're not sort of wobbly, shaky stuff. Right. They're all done in high definition. Yeah. And uh, even, even obviously watching it on the ordinary channel, it's you're not seeing it in high definition, but it looks um, it looks pretty good. Yeah. Now, uh, Merlin. I mean, I know you're not as old as Dave, um, but do you remember the original Star Trek? <laughs> I remember it on in syndication. Back in the early 70s, in fact, it's like one of the earliest memories I have regarding uh, sci-fi at all, is watching an episode of that at my grandparents' house, you know, like when I was three. So, yeah, I mean, I loved it. Bring on the Orion Slave Girls. (laughs) Now you've got Dave's interest peaked. (laughs) If you Orion Slave Girls, he's happy. 
Yeah, yeah I mean, but this is the whole point about, uh, I mean, the, the series went, um, how many years was it? Three, three. years? They did. Yeah. yeah. Three, three years. Seasons. Three, that three last seasons. One saved, saved by the fans. Right. Yeah. But, but then, of course, go on, yeah. sorry. Then, of course, the movies. You know, they, uh, they say, oh, let's... The animated series. Well, the animated series. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> <sighs> Nitpicky. He's a completist. A completist, yeah. you see. Well, I was at the right age to have watched those. You know, so I remember that. Not great, but they were there. This is what we Earthlings call uh, hugging. Yes, there's kids watching. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that came out 1973 to 74. And there's only one episode of that that Gene Roddenberry considered canon. <laughs> there's canon in Star Trek? Damn. It's well, confusing, it's, but it's, it is. Uh, <laughs> okay, after the animated series, <laughs> we have the motion. Never even asked me my thoughts on the original series. Oh, fine. I sorry. I, sorry, I thought you were talking in amongst that. Sorry, it's the, the Bushmills. It's really kind of... <laughs> Sorry, what's my name again? <laughs> this was one of perhaps the first science fiction series I watched. In the, in the late 80s, I saw it. Uh, I was about maybe four when I saw it the first time. And could, I remember it. Could you, could, you say, could you say the late 70s just so we don't all feel so quite, quite so old? Yes, the <laughs> late 70s when I was around in a Thank time you. paradox. <laughs> there was a temporal flux. <laughs> I was around, and yeah, I remember when I saw them originally, finding them quite creepy. <laughs> For some reason, I found them quite kind of creepy. But then I saw them later on, uh, going into the 90s, I, I was watching The Next Generation, which we're going into next. And I'll, I remember watching that series as it was on first run, and I'll leave that to there. But my last comment here is I put into the, what, the chat that we have here on uh, Skype a link to the cover of an issue of Nintendo Power, which is a game magazine I've been reading my entire life. And one of the earliest issues of Nintendo Power that I read is one that I linked to the cover of, and it has uh, Star Trek on the cover, the Enterprise on the cover. And I remember playing the, the, the game that that issue talks about. And, yeah, of course, I've always been a gamer. I've always been a sci-fi fan, and that kind of tied the two together in my earliest memories of Star Trek. Awesome. Right, yeah. I mean, I thought it was quite futuristic because it was in color. I mean, we'd had the things like you know the outer limits and uh, uh, shows like that before. Uh, but um, the other thing is, I when I first saw it, there was a lot of fuss about um, the fact that you know um, would people um, uh, follow or be interested in uh, you know the first officer being you know an alien. Uh, well, half alien, of course. Um, and I also remember the, the, there was a, a big issue made about the fact that he had green blood and so he had this green cast. Well, in earlier colour television, and especially the, uh, I suppose in the Americans, is it NSTC? What was it? NTSC. Uh, never, never, yeah, never the same colour twice. <laughs> um, th th actually, th that didn't come across that well. Right. Um, Something else we're missing here in our discussion is the first interracial kiss on American TV on Star Trek. We're missing that entirely between Kirk and Uhura. Oh, yes, the kiss. We're missing that. In, in, 
the way Roddenberry had that episode written in the first originally was an actual honest kiss between those two characters, but NBC didn't want it, didn't want that to, to air that, so they forced Roddenberry to rewrite it so that Uhura was under the control of an alien entity. Cop out. <clears throat> Sorry. Yeah, I, 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 what the original Star Trek brings to mind for me is at the moment, since I've listened to Toby Haydock's Moth Ape, My Doctor Who Scarf, is uh, they they called the show progressive because it had a multicultural cast. Yeah, the black woman was the receptionist. The, <laughs> <laughs> the Chinese guy, the Korean guy was the driver. <laughs> And the Scotsman was <laughs> the guy who worked in the engine room. Yeah, progressive. And the American was what? The captain. <laughs> Sorry. <clears throat> anyway, pushing on. Uh, the movies. I, I, I became a big fan of the movies. Um, and I think it's what started probably my, my thing for bald-headed women was the motion picture. <laughs> Ilya. Simbata. Probably why I found Perry so attractive in, in uh, Mind Warp. Hello. Ed Skullcap, yeah. Mm. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Perry, save. <laughs> anyway, since, since Merlin and I are now incapacitated, <laughs> anyone? Well, uh... I don't know. I mean, there's so much to talk about. I mean, I, I don't think we can do a, a recount blow by blow here. I think. Um... Well, very briefly on the movies, the motion picture too long and drawn out, but really kind of cool for its time. It kind of, I think, it was the one thing that kind of set Star Trek back on its feet. And it was the, the the rest kind of progressed it along. Of course. Um, I mean, the Voyage Home was the highlight, you know. I love Voyage Home. The the comedy, the whales, the you know, it was it was a lot of fun. And Scotty, it was, Scotty talking into the into the computer yeah. mouse. Computer, computer. <laughs> <laughs> um, but of course, oh, the one where they encounter God. What was oh. that one? Oh, the final the, frontier. The final frontier. God, that was just. <laughs> but of course then we had the next generation which came in in between there and at the time that was that was for me in New Zealand we probably got it like three or four years after it started in the US must see viewing I remember my parents had just got a new TV set uh, and it had stereo sound on it and I remember just being glued to the TV, watching a new Enterprise, this huge ship, and it was just, I don't know, I, I loved it. Looking back on the first couple of episodes, God, those uniforms were awful. <laughs> right either. Boy. And um, poor Deanna Troy, you know. Hey, she's got boobs, let's show them off. It's funny that it wasn't until Roddenberry kind of started taking the back seat that we actually got her in a proper Starfleet uniform. A hell of a lot better than a Starfleet uniform. 
Yeah. Uh, one thing we, we talked about a, a, a little bit earlier when we were talking about the Stargate and uh, the fact that they had that one scene that they cut out, you know, because there was a little bit of nudity. Um, this is not nudity, but for what uh, amazed me about the films was um, when they did the Star Trek Two. The, the Wrath of Calm one. Mm-hmm. Am I right? That was the only one that, where they had to bump it up to a 15 age group because of the, um, you know, the, the, the bit where they're putting the, the, the bug in. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, obviously, I mean, uh, I've also just been reading, and this is slightly off topic, but um, with, with the Avatar in, uh, I think it's Italy, uh, they're very upset with Avatar because um, apparently they have a different um, rating system there, and it's um, it's it's gone out for quite young people to see it. And apparently, we, I haven't seen Avatar, but there's quite a lot of graphic violence in it, and um, they're saying you know it should have been rated differently. But of course, they don't have an equivalent rating to 12A or 13A or whatever it is in the states. Yeah, so, I have no, I have no intention on seeing that movie until it comes out on DVD. I refuse to follow the hype. But anyway, moving on, I think moving on, uh, Mike, um, Enterprise. I mean, <laughs> Enterprise. That's leaping ahead. Uh, oh, Next generation. Next generation. I mean, you were what? Five. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> five. Yeah. When I started, you, you see my. First started watching that. My my mom was the one who told me about it. She was watching it. It came on late nights on the local Fox channel, and then, of course, Saturday nights it came on new episodes. It was, it was like Saturday nights at seven or so, I think. I can't remember. Playing with their mic. Huh? Somebody's that's, rustling. Oh, that's probably me. Sorry. <sighs> <laughs> but yeah. Uh, I remember with yourself w- later. I mean, <laughs> their mic later. I see what you did there. Oh, hello. <laughs> yeah, I remember watching the last four seasons of Next Generation as they were new episodes, and that's what—that's where I became a fan of Star Trek. Um, yeah, the, I, I liked the whole I, the whole idea of Star of the, uh, the way this the way Starfleet and the ships were. I liked I liked the Enterprise. I remember. And during during my days at school, I would I would draw the Enterprise all over, doodle the Enterprise all over papers, and that's actually where I actually, I was I was in third grade writing fan fiction. <laughs> I mean I I mean I was a big fan of the source of separation. They didn't do that oh. enough. No, they didn't. Um, the 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 best one, of course, was was uh, in uh, Generations, where it shows you what happens when you leave a woman in charge. She crashes the bloody thing into a planet. Uh, <laughs> sorry, sexist of me. But I mean, that was that was. I mean, they they made a pretty successful leap into the movies. Um, who have I missed on Next Generation? Whoa, whoa, Merlin, Merlin. Hello, hello, hello keep... Merlin, Merlin. Yep. I kick. Keep... Oh, that. Yeah. Next generation. Oh, uh, <laughs> I didn't know you were asking me a question. Yes. Um, Gates McFadden. That's all I got to say. Oh, uh, Beverly Crusher. God awful woman. <laughs> oh, we're not going to. We're not not going to mention Will Wheaton. I'm not. <laughs> there. I'm not going there. Uh, what about Kess? Uh, some oh. of the others are. Oh, that's yeah. a different franchise. Yeah, we haven't got it. We haven't oh, got well, there right, yet. Sorry, we're I'm only on the. Yeah. 
Next Sorry, generation. I'm thinking that's, yeah. My Sorry, Deanna but... Troy. She can probe my feelings anytime. <laughs> <laughs> Data will always be my favorite character from Next I, Generation. My, Data, Jordy. My first uh, performance at a convention uh, doing at the Masquerade was I was dressed up as Data because I'd actually met my wife, uh, met Megan, my now wife, online, and I'd been over there to visit her, and they took me to a uh, creation convention in Minnesota, and I happened to pick up the gold um, uniform, and so I perfected the makeup and did Ode to Spot on stage, <laughs> and actually got on the local news, which actually, no, it's not local news in New Zealand, it's just like national news, because... <laughs> We only had two channels at that time, so, um, so yeah, I was I was big fan of Data and big fan of Troy. Uh, Jordy LaForge, of course, Lavar Burton. He also was the host of the kids show on PBS, Reading Reading Rainbow. Yep. Yep. What's um, the Blind Man Drive? That works. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also a big fan of the Picard Maneuver. Oh. Um, <laughs> Dave, are you familiar with the Picard Maneuver? No, please enlighten me. Okay, the Picard maneuver is whenever he he gets up from a sitting position and pulls his uniform down. Oh, and I love the. I I was thinking of the actual Picard maneuver. No, no, the 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 actual Picard maneuver is that. Um, If if you talk to any Star Trek fan, the Picard maneuver is when he stands up from his chair and pulls his uniform down. Oh yeah, Yeah. and of course I love I love the Riker maneuver where. He walks sideways into a room. <laughs> I love Jonathan Frakes for that. I do that from time to time when I'm walking around the office. I'll just walk sideways into a room. So yeah, right, do, beard, no yeah, beard. Yeah, I do. I do remember beard. correctly that Riker, when he became captain in one of the the later films, he yeah, actually just... does the Picard movement then, as though you know he adopts his whole <laughs> captain strategy. <sighs> I've but only you, seen Nemesis once, and I don't, re- and I don't remember if he did that or not. <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't a big fan of the the uh, movie Enterprise. It lost all of its character at that point for me. Um, it it stopped being a family ship, and it started being a battleship. And yeah, it, yeah the sovereign I, class was. Yeah, it just lost all of its character at that point for me. It was like, eh, it's just a ship now. Don't care. Uh, you can't but, tell I'm a trekker here. No, not at all. Uh, yeah, the, uh, I mean, I'm a big fan, of course, then of the Defiant class, which switches us to, guess what? Deep Space Nine! Captain Sisko, or Commander Sisko for the most yeah. part. Best captain ever. <laughs> I agree. Because... Hell, he punched Q. I mean, <laughs> yes, hell he yeah. Did. <laughs> hit me. <laughs> Jean-Luc never hit me. <laughs> um, slow start, but made up for it. Definitely made up for it. But yeah. Once it found its stride with the Dominion War. Mm-hmm. I mean, that whole arc was, uh, was just... Oh, it was fabulous. Hang on, is that when it went all politics? Um, no. On a planetary scale, perhaps, maybe. With Bajor, yeah. Bajor, it, it brought in politics and a bit some religious themes. 
and uh, a whole lot of like post World War II apocalypse type stuff too, really. Yeah, with with the whole occupation, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, that was well done. I think um, it it did what Star Trek does well and kind of touches on themes from our own history, <clears throat> brings them into a new light. Yeah. But, yeah, um, but, go on. Uh, no, I was going to say that um, w- the one thing about that amazed me about Deep Space Nine, I'm looking again, that started in 1993, that went on until 1999. So, you know, uh, it was quite a long run. And there was some crossover again of some of the... Uh, the different people, weren't they, from from the other shows? Yeah, Colm Meany, as, a, as we, who we mentioned earlier, his character, Miles O'Brien, he was a character in The Next Generation, but he was a minor character. Yeah, they transporter over, chief. Yeah, they brought him over to Deep Space Nine, and he became a crucial character to the story. The, the, one, the one thing I had to say about, and backtracking a little, about uh, Next Generation is they did manage to bring in these minor characters and make them uh, a little more than they were. Um, uh, um, O'Brien, for one, and and Keiko, um, then transferred over to Deep Space Nine. Um, it 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 you know it it did a good job of creating these other characters. I mean, I don't know how much was done in preparation for Deep Space Nine, but it was well done. And uh, I mean, I loved O'Brien. He's, he was one of the highlight characters for for uh, Deep Space Nine. I don't know if it's because I'm Irish. Well, part Irish. Well, he certainly grew. I mean, let's face it, it. When he first came on, he was basically just the transportation officer, wasn't he? In the in the um, that that was his original part, as far as I understand it, in Star Trek. He just yeah, worked the tra- transporter, didn't he? Yeah. Right. And then when they when he's brought over to Deep Space Nine, he was operations manager. He was basically the chief chief engineer. Right. Yeah, I mean, I thought he was fabulous in Deep Space Nine. I mean, uh, they were all good characters, I think, in various different ways. I mean, you had uh, Quarks. You had. Uh, his whole family, basically, <laughs> and uh, and you had Cisco, you had uh, Kira Norris, and you had a trill. Yeah. But just in in context of our little chat tonight, I mean, do, do, by the time that Deep Space Nine came out, had had fans started to think that you know. They're flogging this, um, you know, Star Trek universe, you know, one too many times. Uh, uh, do you think, if you can remember back, you know, there was still, uh, you know, um, a thirst for more, more content from this universe? Uh, I mean, were we getting weary of it yet? Do you think? Because uh, it's always difficult to put your your head back in that time zone. Well, if you remember, uh, while we were talking about Next Generation, I said that I was watching those episodes in first run. I remember watching. All good things. The final episode of Next Generation. Okay, well, backing up a bit, Deep Space Nine began at around the next last season. Yeah, it was. It, it started 
at the same time Next Generation was still was going on. And I remember watching the first few episodes of Deep Space Nine and realizing this is set on a space station. We're not on a ship exploring the galaxy. I'm not interested. And I didn't watch Deep Space Nine when it was on originally. It was only it was only a couple of years ago that I went back and watched the entire series and realized how great a series it was. But yeah, back when it came on originally, the fact that it was set on a stationary space space station and we weren't going out and exploring the galaxy like I was used to with Star Trek, that didn't strike me as Star Trek. Yeah, I mean, at first when I saw it, I was like, yeah, I don't know, they don't go anywhere. But that's that's where you get the uh, the oh, kind of headed in my head just before when they got the uh, defiant. Mm-hmm. Oh, what what's the class? It's defiant, defiant class. class. Yeah, it, so it, it, was, it was its own class. Yeah. Oh, the defiant class was just fabulous. It was one that Sis, that Cisco helped build. Yeah. Design. Oh, you've got a, a great little ship there, Mister Worf. Little. <laughs> Now, there's an episode that I'm trying to remember. I'm looking through an episode list, and I can't remember the name of it. It was an episode with the shapeshifters where Cisco went back to Earth, and it was a two-parter with the shapeshifters on Earth. But uh, one of the phrases that the writers, or Iris Stephen Bear, was throwing around when, when writing the episode was the phrase, a savior, I think it was a savior in paradise, was the, the idea that he was exploring here in, here in Deep Space Nine. Because if you look at DS9 compared to original series, and Next Generation, those were both sort of Roddenberry's idea of a utopian future where everyone gets along, everyone's everyone's friendly. Deep Space Nine is the opposite of that. So that's that's what what the writers were exploring with Deep Space Nine was the fact that there's a darker side to the future than a happy utopia. Right. Which I enjoyed the fact that, you know, it can't all be wine and roses, you know. Merlin. Oh yeah, that's. I agree. I uh, I like the fact that it started darker and kept on that that vein, and I am so glad that Michelle Forbes did not sign on to DS9. Oh, <laughs> thank God. She was yeah. sexy in some, but too thin for me. I, I, seeing her in a full suit on uh, 24, the few episodes she was on in there, she looked better and hotter in that than she ever did in a Starfleet uniform. So yeah. Oh, you're gonna get Ian talking about um, the 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 woman with the ne- with the nose ridge. What? How she looked funny when she when you saw. Her. Oh yes. We'll um, we'll, we'll get to we'll yeah. get to Voyager. Right. Oh, no. but, um, <clears throat> one last you don't thing mean Kieran Arise? No. Deep Space Nine. No, I meant the one in. De- oh, right. The only time Kieran Arise looked good is when they were in the uh, the uh, mirror universe. Oh, yeah. That's something else that I liked about Deep Space Nine is how they carried on. That mirror universe story from the original series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was well done. And as as I said, Kira in that one. Hello. <laughs> well, well, just one last thing from me, at least, about the Deep Space Nine was the the amazement uh, transformation that the Ferengi had. Because if, in the, the Star Trek The Next Generation, as far as I remember it, when they first beat the Ferengi, they're nasty little so-and-sos, aren't they, with these whips? Oh, yeah. And um, a very uh, strong. Actually, it was quite a good episode that because uh, it was one where they're trying to get across to this entity, um, uh, and they're, they're having to struggle. And it's Riker's quite a good story in that one. Right. And then 
next minute they're they're the uh, the sort of comedians of space, aren't they? With the uh, yeah. Quark's bar and his his nephews and so on. The gambling. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Per- with Deep Space Nine, one of my favorite Ferengi-based episodes is an episode called Little Green Men, where Quark and Quark and a few, a few of his mm. associated Ferengi end up on Earth back in early oh, 20th century. Yes, They're, they become the Roswell Crash. Yeah, they become the Roswell Crash. Oh, that, that is funny. And the fact, the, the really cool thing about that episode is you don't know that Odo's there until like way on in the episode. Yeah. Spoiler warning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, so should we progress? Yeah, I think the timeline? so. To the Delta Quadrant. Go down the well even further to the Delta Quadrant. Start and there's track. an even bigger crossover. I mean, like what you said with Star Trek Next Generation, Mike, that had still one year to run when Deep Space Nine started in 93. But that yeah. went on until 1999. Right. Star Trek Voyager started in 1995. So, Deep um, Space Nine never got a chance to run on its own. Yeah, no. we didn't quite, but almost had all three on at the same time. I mean... Right. Star Trek Next Generation was just ending, Deep Space was continuing, and then Star Trek Voyager came in onto the scene. I think they could have done with a little more... Um, I think they could have done with starting Voyager a little later on in the in, in, in the timeline. But, you know, that's history. But Voyager, I remember watching this, and this is before the, the age of... Uh, um, Red eye flights and um, acquiring through other means. Uh, there were videotapes being sent to New Zealand through uh, other methods, in which we got to get together in groups and sit down and watch these episodes. And I remember sitting in somebody's flat in Wellington and watching the first episode of uh, the pilot episode of Star Trek Voyager. And as Dave said, um, I was rather partial to a young Klingon woman. Uh, but later on in the in the season or uh, the next season, she was split in two, and there was a Klingon version and a human version. And I didn't find her quite so attractive as a human. <laughs> but yeah, that's how things these things go. But Star Trek Voyager, things to like: uh, Tom Paris. Uh, loves nostalgia, uh, kind of flies by the seat of his pants. He's uh, he was stationed in New Zealand. What's not to like? Uh, <laughs> sorry, imprisoned in New Zealand is what I meant to say. Um, oh, and Mike just tells me Roxanne Dawson directed last week's episode of Heroes. Oh, I love her. Well, including on makeup anyway. Uh, <laughs> But Voyager, Voyager started off fine. I mean, there were some awesome episodes of the show, and then there was just way too much Borg, and way too much Janeway and Borg, and Borg and Janeway. <laughs> I mean, it, it used to be that the only one who had this connection with the Borg was Picard, and then Janeway's all, oh, I know everything about the Borg. It's like, yeah. Good ending, though. It ended good. Anyway, Merlin. Oh, uh, not a great uh, deal to say about it. It one of the weaker 
series, definitely in my opinion. So losing the viewership. Left, right, and center. It, I was, was going to say, did you think the franchise was running out of steam at this point? I think they needed some more new blood than what they got because it was still Braga and the same crew. and They needed some more fresh stuff instead of just continually drawing from the same mythos uh, in their database structure that they wrote. You know, we needed to pull in some new stuff. Right. Something else I want to point out is that this movie... Ooh, Next you're a little muffled there, Mike. Yeah. Okay, sorry. How about now? There you go, yep. that's better. Sorry, I'd move the mic. Is that Next Generation and Deep Space Nine aired on network television. Voyager aired on UPN, which... Premiered, yeah. Premiered on UPN, and because of that, I never saw it right. on its Voy- first one. Voyager was actually the one of the launching points for the UPN network. It was yeah. the, their flagship show. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, where were we? <laughs> yeah, no, they, they, they had quite a lot of um, uh, guest actors. I'm just going up John Savage. Um, and of course, um, where's he gone? Um, Reece, uh, John Reese Davis, um, who played Leonardo da Vinci in one of them. Of course, he was in um, uh, the time traveling one. Um, Slider. Oh, 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 Sliders, thank you. And of course, in um, the Lord of the Rings, Gollum. Go- no, sorry, oh, sorry, no, Gimli, no. Gimli, Gimli, Gimli. Yeah, and he also played the, the tree, <laughs> the tree monster as well. Tree beard, tree beard, tree beard. Yeah. <clears throat> Didn't get that but, confused. Yeah, I think basically what it what it became was, uh, it wasn't the fabulous show. It became, um, it was the bread and butter, wasn't it? It wasn't the sort of uh, real show that people wouldn't miss it was a show that was on and people would probably catch it but perhaps it wasn't that fanatic fanatical you know i must get back and watch it and of course uh, as you said i mean coming at a later date although um you, you say it wasn't in new zealand i mean the fact that it was recordable by then people were you know, into videotapes and you, you know, you catch programs that way. So there wasn't that drive to be always in front of the television when it aired. Right. Also, remember, this followed on from Deep Space Nine and this differed from Deep Space Nine in the fact that Voyager was not really a serialized story. There was not a continuing plot that built from episode to episode. Everything was pretty much reset at the end of at the end of each episode, and you were back to just the ship traveling back to the Alpha Quadrant. The, sure. With Deep Space Nine, of course, we had the building story of the Dominion War and the Jim Hadar and the Founders and everything. We didn't have that with Voyager. There was no building plot. Which was one right. of the I thought, because there were very few arcs in it at all. Right. Yeah. And they must have felt as though they were were struggling a little bit because uh, they they brought the Seven of Nine character in. Was it in the second series or something? And uh, as though they they felt as though they had to do something to 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 uh, you know revitalize the show. Yeah, they took away Jennifer Leanne's kiss. I love the voice yeah. of her. But they bring in a Borg in a cat suit and stiletto heels. I mean, I uh, uh. I mean, yeah, she had big boobs, but. I'm sorry, Jennifer Leanne is Kiss. Yes. <laughs> and she only lived for seven years. I mean, hello. 
And when they brought her back, they did so in such a pointless way because yeah. oh she, yeah, it's oh, a lot yeah. of reason to be that pissed. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And um, but one there there were two main things that were brilliant in this show, and that was first and foremost Robert Picardo is the Doctor. Brilliant character, loved it. Uh, a hologram that can learn and grow and, and do all these. Oh, it was just perfect. Yeah. And Ethan Phillips is Neelix. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, they made him a little too human towards the end. He lost a bit of that Talexian quirkiness. I mean, if you look at the, the, the first episode with Neelix in it, I mean, yeah, he's going to become accustomed to living among humans and learn some of their colloquialisms and, 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 and stuff and kind of learn from them. But Who are you? What do you want? Why are you here? Yeah, um, Neelix in the first one is just, you know, Mr. Vulcan! Yeah. <laughs> wow, look at all this water! It was fabulous! <laughs> and there was the episode, I think it was Tuvix, Tuvix. where they were, yeah, they were merged together after a transporter accident. That was fabulous. That yeah. was well done. And yeah. good, good makeup, good acting. I mean, as I said, there are some fabulous episodes in Voyager. Don't write it all off because somebody says, oh, Voyager's not that great. There are actually some really, really good episodes of the show. Year of Hell was a great two-parter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and one, it of, was... one of the main writers on the show who left soon after that, that he, he, was, he went on record as saying that that's sort of how he wanted the show to go overall. With right. the fact that through the through the story, well, one part of the story is that we saw Voyager continually taking damage and becoming becoming just the shell of a ship at the end of the story, right. and that's one problem that a lot of a lot of fans had with the show is that at the end of every story, the ship was up in perfect condition again, even though it's on the other side of the galaxy, right? Nowhere near a Federation star starbase, right? Uh, the other ones were, uh, I think it was Planet Hell, where they where they encounter the 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 liquid, um, oh. the intelligent liquid. Yeah, and then there was the one that followed on from that. I think it was yes. Operation Oblivion. Right, and you're following this whole episode. Spoiler alert! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're following this entire thing, and and, and it's the the. Just problems with Voyager, and they're trying to track down this other ship, and blah 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 blah. And you finally get to the end of it, and the ship disintegrates into nothing, just as it reaches the proper Voyager. And it was the uh, the entity from the entities from uh, Planet Hell had decided, oh, we'll since we managed to sample it, we'll create the ship and go exploring and it was it was just so well done because you were like what is going on here and then you realize you haven't really been watching the real crew at all (sighs) and then spoiler alert again at the at the end of the episode it disintegrates entirely just it right before it disintegrates the the clone crew picks up a ship coming on long-range sensors and the ship disintegrates and we realize that that ship coming in is the real Voyager. Yeah. It's like, and they, they mark that uh, anomaly in their ship's logs. Yep. Oh, fabulous. Oh, there's one other episode that is well, well worth um, watching. God. Where's an episode list when I need it? 
Are you going to mention Wink of an Eye or is it Blink of an Eye? I can't remember. One was original, one was Voyager. Uh, Blink of an Eye was the... Um... Blink of an Eye is Voyager. Right. Is it? Yeah, I just checked. Yeah, it's the one where they're ab- above a planet and uh, years are going back. The, the, the evolution of the planet is, is going on below them. Yeah, it's a planet displaced in time, where it's sort of like a donut-shaped planet, and the way it's spinning, time spin goes faster the closer you get to the surface. That that was a fabulous one. It's not the one I'm thinking of, but I'm glad you brought it up because that is that is an awesome episode, especially for the Doctor. Yeah, Another they send him down great... for about two seconds, don't they? And he, he, he gets and he married and everything. Yeah, he got married and <laughs> and not had a son, but the the woman he married had a son. Ah. Oh. That was... Another another great Doctor episode. Well, there are two that come to mind. I'm looking for the other one, but Tinker Tenor Doctor Spy, where the mm-hmm. where it's, it's the Doctor's daydreams, and right. a group of aliens are taking are looking through the Doctor's daydreams and thinking that that is the reality on Voyager. Right. And that's the first one where we see the emergency command hologram. <laughs> <laughs> I just love the way that Pips went whoop 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 <laughs> on his on his uniform. Yeah. So talk amongst yourselves while I try and find this, this episode title. God, we're spending way too okay. much time on so, so that. Yeah, but the point is, it's making the point that the actual, although people were probably a little bit more blasé about the, the franchises at whole, um, poor Voyager probably had to work harder to get this sort of reaction. And it's only when you think back on individual episodes that, um, uh, you know, they were good ones. Um you know, there, there were quite a number. I mean, there's one where the two holograms have got to save the ship. Oh, yeah, Andy Dick. Yeah. <laughs> mm. uh, well, that was kind of cool. I kind of like that one. Yeah. Just don't like <laughs> What? You don't like Andy Dick? No. no, no. Oh, the other Doctor-based episode that I was thinking of, Warhead. It's where the smart missile is... They pick up the smart missile and it takes over the Doctor's hologram. Right. That was a funny, funny episode. Right. Oh yeah, the yeah. the one you were talking about with Andy Dick was uh, message in a bottle. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. But I think we ought to move on because we've still got one more alliteration yeah. of uh, Star Trek. Yes. I'm trying to find, I'm trying to find the episode I was thinking of that. Oh, it was just so fabulous, but I can't remember. If it. you describe it, but maybe I can remember. <laughs> um. See, so you started talking about. Um, the, the, the one where they're orbiting the um, planet. Oh, God. Yeah. And now I forgot what the, <laughs> the original one was that I was. Um, it's the one where it opens where uh, a guy's exploring. He's out on a deep space exploration, like even around Mars, and this um, anomaly passes through the. Through the burrowing the, space anomaly. Yeah. Um, I know what that. Oh, I can't remember the name of that one either. But it's the, it's the bur. It's the space anomaly that burrows through subspace, and it's picked up all sorts of junk through. Yes. Space. Um, the interesting thing about that was uh, last year when I went to MegaCon, the actor who was in that episode, he also does a voice on um, one of Liam's favorite cartoons, uh, Secret Saturdays. Uh, he was actually in that, and it wasn't until we went up to the table and I was looking at the photos, and I saw that, and I'm like, I love that episode. Um, oh, I can't, and I can't remember the name of it. Oh well, moving on. I'll I'll I'll, I'll interrupt later with it. 
<laughs> well, yeah, I mean, we, we, we're still, I mean, I think even at this point, although we found that there were some nuggets in Voyager, they, they yet again wanted another bite of the cherry. And it's actually, what amazes me is that Star Trek Voyager ended in 2001. Uh, Star Trek Enterprise started in 2001. Now, I thought... Uh, Star Trek had been off air for a couple of years between no, those two, no, but obviously it had, not. It had been on air continuously from Encounter at Farpoint, the first episode of Next Generation, through to the end of uh, Next Gener- uh, Enterprise. But, yeah. Yeah. But, but of course, the first aired when the first season, I think, I'm not sure when they when they changed this over. It was not aired with the uh, the prename Star Trek. It was just Enterprise. Enterprise. I remember when they changed that, and I think and one season to include Star Trek. And I found that really annoying because it worked as just the name Enterprise because, as we're going to mention, it's the prequel series. Right. And and obviously uh, fans were getting a little bit more picky because they changed the introduction song as well a couple of times. And first of all, it started with a song. A lot of fans didn't like the fact that you know it didn't have a theme. It had a, a, you know, a song. And then they jazz that song up um, uh, halfway into it. But um, I think my main criticism, and I think a lot of people going into it, was the fact that, you know, because it's uh, prior to the other adventures, um, you know, you're going to have lower technology and uh, you're going to be going less far out into space and they've already, you know, you know who they're going to meet. And um, they really made a difficult task for themselves. They had a hard sell. Although I must admit, the actor who who played uh, Archer, of course, uh, I loved him from Quantum Leap. Mm. Scott Bakula. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, that was the thing that made me watch it because he was the captain. And I I thought he showed such a a range of talents uh, in that, that that I was willing to watch him for that. Yeah. I mean, this seems like a really stupid thing, but when they were promoting Enterprise, they had a um, a song accompanying these little clips that they were playing, and uh, trying to remember the name of the song now. Uh, Know what you're talking about? And yeah, wherever you will go. Um, Dang it! So long. Or are you talking about the uh, the actual intro, the title theme from Enterprise? Uh, Wherever You Will Go by The Calling was used during the promos. Oh, okay. And then when they launched the show, they had this completely schlocky, stupid song. A cover of a Rod Stewart song. Yeah. That was it. It was a cover of a Rod Stewart one, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was just dumb. It's like, you know, The Calling's Wherever You Will Go was perfect. And then they replaced with a cover of Faith of the Heart on Rod Stewart. It's just, it was a stupid move. I don't know why they used the calling song and then switched to something else. I don't know whether the calling got, like, big or something and said, oh, no, we're going to charge you this much. Well, intro song aside, I liked the the montage that they had during the opening Mm. credits. credits. That was cool. Yeah. Uh, and wasn't the other controversy the fact that was this the first time they'd used a CGI spaceship rather than a no, model? No, no, they no? So no. Voyager. Partway through Voyager, they switched to a CGI Voyager right. rather than a actual uh, model. 
Voyager yeah. was Voyager was the first time that they used uh, a, a CGI spaceship. Right. Thanks for that. Oh, and just jogging back to to Voyager, the episode was one small step, uh, starring Phil Morris, who is the person I met at the convention. And my favorite part of Voyager was the foldy up nacelles. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. and the fact that the, the fact that Voyager could land on a planet. Yes. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but getting back to Enterprise, yes. uh, I said Scott Malacca, uh I can't pronounce that. But, but it had Dracula. Jolene Baylock in, didn't it? Jolene Baylock. Baylock, yes. Now, she was, she was, she was hot. hot, very, very. They, yes. they, they, they managed to get her. The, they, I think the only reason why they sent her on away missions is so that she could go into decon at the end. <laughs> Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, I needed the, the I need an extra an extra layer of decon gel right around here. <laughs> yeah, actually, one of the best ones of that I thought was the one where she was actually playing an ancestor of hers mm. that had crash landed on Earth again, and um, they'd landed in is it the forties or something right. with with two others, and I thought that was a good little story. Yeah. Uh, of, of course, if we're talking Enterprise, we have to talk about the, the season that caused so much controversy and fandom, and that's the Zendi story arc. Yep. That really, because Enterprise is was set as a prequel series. It took place in 2150, well before Captain Kirk and the original, all of the, yeah. the first NCC Enterprise. And here we ha- here we go with, with a rather rather drastic story arc that started with with a severe uh, with a rather heavy. Zendi attack on Earth that should be on record, but of course was never mentioned in any of the other later series, later slash earlier, however. Right. Well, that gets into time paradoxes and, uh, well, yeah. general pop yeah. can't handle how. It so. was, to me, it was almost as if they said, okay, be at, first, at, first, at first, part of this isn't going so well. Ratings aren't good. What worked for the other ones? Ooh, Deep Space Nine story arc. That went well. Let's put in a story arc. Enterprise also had a very loose ongoing story arc with the Temporal Cold War. Yeah, yeah. You see, that would have been better focused on than the Zindi thing. It's like... It was tied into it, but it would have been much better to focus on the Cold War. Yeah. Scrap. I mean, I expected, like, when uh, the... What was the, the alien in that... The uh, the shape shifting alien. Oh, the, oh God! See, see how memorable they are. <laughs> the little ones that would look like it had skin skin made out of flume. Yeah, they were funny. Yeah, strange. I know exactly who you're talking about, but the name Sulaban. Sulaban, yes, Sulaban. The the, the the Sulaban had contact with somebody in the future, and I was waiting for them to reveal that it was like. Kirk or Picard or or um, the Dominion or something like that. That would have been kind of cool. Yeah. But you never found out who the bloody hell they were talking to. Because they decided to switch gears and do this whole um, Zindi thing. And then all of a sudden, when that was done, he was on Earth with uh, German aliens. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, 
God, give them a rest for five minutes for crying That, to, to me, uh, seemed to be the same mistake that they did with Sliders when they had those sort of, uh, uh, not Neanderthal ones, but they were like, done yeah. like German officers, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that goes with Sliders and the whole idea that it didn't need a main enemy because no. they're going between universes. Yeah, they didn't need this. That re-occurring... was the adventure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Some of the notable members of the cast, though, I mean, uh, there was uh, Dr. Flox, was it? Uh, oh, fabulous. That, yes. Yeah. Oh, that big wide smile and that toe. He was fabulous. I mean, he was. Uh, I just loved him the bits. And. Uh, uh, Connor Turnier was great as Trip, I thought. Yep. Yeah, Trip. Trip, Trip, yeah. Was, Trip was fantastic. Um, Absolutely loved him. Yeah. I mean, that, I mean, he retained those kind of earthly, grounded qualities that the rest of the crew were kind of missing, you know. Uh, well, I mean, it's the Chateau, captain, the Linda Park character. She was quite good. Yeah, yeah. she's a little too wishy-washy for me, though. <laughs> she's like, oh, I can't go in there. It's all icky. You know, it's like, shut up. You know, you're a linguist. Come on, get with it. You know, she always had something going on with her, you know. Yeah. <laughs> But again, to get back to the theme of this chat yes. we're having, I mean, one of the things that they did again, they had that alternative one where you said she was wishy-washy, but they actually had the alternate one where she was sort of sleeping her way to the top, wasn't yeah, she? Yeah, they yes. did the mirror yeah. universe. Mirror universe. Mirror universe. Yes. So, I mean, that's going right back to the original Star Trek when right. uh, when they had it. So, I mean, they were, I think there was some feeling among the fans that, you know, some of these stories were being, you know, being rehashed on four different Star Treks. Right. Well, no, the the problem with Enterprise is they didn't... It wasn't a problem with the crew. It wasn't a problem with the show itself. It was a problem with the fact that they kept jumping storylines. They didn't figure out before they went on... You see, this is where they needed to have a gap of like three or four years in between Voyager and Enterprise to kind of sit down and pace the show out. It was it was a good crew. It was a good ship. They just didn't know where they were going with it when they started. Like, oh, Voyage is about to close. Um, hey, how about we do a show called Enterprise? Okay, who's in it? Well, uh, this person, this person, this person, and they're exploring the galaxy for the first time. And that was it. It was it was almost as if they rushed into doing it, and that's what really sunk it because it could have been and I think that's the disappointment with most fans is it could have been so much better yeah when the show was cancelled at the end of its fourth season it was really on its way to becoming what it was supposed to be a prequel series to the other series there were elements of of the the Trek mythos that we know being introduced to them and from what I've read uh, one of the writers who came into the show in in its last season uh, Manny Koto he had a lot of ideas set in motion that would tie in directly to original series episodes and Next Generation episodes. Like, there was one idea that he had that would tie into the original series episode Cloudminders and would set the backstory for that. Right. And there was, e- there was even an episode that would deal with Guinan's backstory. Guinan, of course, from Star Trek oh, wow. Next Generation. Merlin. Well, yeah, I mean, as we covered, uh, it had lots of positive things going for it, but... Uh, one of the chief things that I can think of is that this aired prior to 9-11. Uh, 
when our priorities were quite a bit different. Mm-hmm. They scrabbled during that first season when that occurred. I mean, everybody in TV went bananas trying to figure out what they could show and couldn't show without bringing up bad feelings right. at that time. And so politics kind of had to be left aside in that part of it for a large part, which for Star Trek is stepping out of character because they always put forth political ideas in a sci-fi universe to where they could get away with that kind of thing. Right. But they got really, really shy about it because, you know, you all know we were there. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And that that affected the way it ran in a a long-term thing, I I think. Right. That's my view, though. I I mean, I just wish they'd waited... I mean, they got. I mean, when you look at it, when you look at the timeline from Next Generation to Deep Space Nine to Voyager, the crossover got so much more. I mean, the crossover between. uh, I mean, they bought Deep Space Nine in because they knew Enterprise was coming to an end. Then they thought, well, you know, it'd be really good if we had two shows going at once. And so then they brought in Voyager. Which ran, you know, in tandem with Deep Space Nine, and then they kind of, you know, Deep Space Nine ended, and they're like, "Well, oh, Voyager should really get home soon. What are we gonna do now?" And it just seemed wrong, especially for such a departure from. I mean, they weren't following on from the storylines that were done in Enterprise and Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, and Voyager. They were going back to something fresh. So give people time to approach it in a fresh way. And and they didn't. They they thought, well, let's just go straight into, uh, I think it was, a, um, they waited till the next year. I mean, I think I remember in the, the end of Voyager, they played promos for, uh, for Enterprise. It was just, I think it was too quick. And they could have done with a little more time to figure it out. Yep. I think we ought to move on from there, if we can, guys. I mean, I don't think we My last thought here on uh, on Enterprise is that for all the complaints that people have about the canonicity of Enterprise, thanks to this new Star Trek movie, J.J. Abrams movie, thanks to a throwaway line from Scotty, Enterprise is now the only canon franchise. Yes. Correct. Yes. Oh, there was that incident with Admiral Archer's dog. <laughs> Prize Beagle. Sorry, Prize Beagle. Yes. Hello. Yeah. Yes. We and, have, we, and we all, we all, basically, we're going to gloss over this. We all love the Star Trek movie. It was great. Yes. Loved it. Fabulous. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We, I mean, we, we can't cover all the films, but the the, the point yeah. is that um, it, it is probably single-handedly uh, reinvigorated the franchise because there's awful lot of um, dead weight pulling it down, really, wasn't right. it? I mean, I, I think if it's not too much of a pun, Star Trek Nemesis was the nemesis of the series, mm-hmm. and um, basically it has come back from that. Yeah. Nemesis proved that that Star Trek was becoming, yeah, as you said, it's too weighed down by its own ideas and its own backstory. Right. Uh, the one fabulous line and the one fabulous scene from Star Trek the movie that I want to bring up is <laughs> what was that? I've got your gun. 
I mean, no long drawn out fight between the bad guy and the good guy. Just a couple of throws around the scenery, a, 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 a muffled line, and what was that? I've got your gun. Bam. Done. <laughs> and, and that's all you did. Done. It's great. Anyway. Well, at least it proves the point. Uh, well, uh, in fact, it, it, it's the uh, opposite of the point. I mean, we we were trying to talk about how you know sequels can actually uh, dilute a franchise to such an extent. You know, you feel as though they've gone to the well once too often and drawn from it. Right. Um, but but it does show that given skill, given that you know talented people, that can be all turned around yeah. virtually on the spot. With a single movie, um, I mean, so yeah. I don't know. I don't know if you, who we have to thank, whether it's Abrams himself or whoever he hired to do the script or the the original storyline. But this was the only way to go for the Star Trek universe. You basically had to wipe the slate clean and go, okay, now we're here, and we'll proceed from here. You know, yeah. you you couldn't really build any more on. Oh, now we're going to have a can cameo from Janeway and a cameo from Picard and a cameo from Cisco and 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 we're gonna throw Wharf in there. So, no, we're just gonna go. Okay, none of this exists anymore. Here's the Enterprise and Kirk and blah 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 blah. And I like the way it ends up with that alternate timeline is is nice because people who want to stay tr- who want to stay with the original ser- with the original franchises in that timeline go ahead. Yeah. We, we, this just sets up an alternate timeline. Yeah. If you if you preferred that, then you've got the whole series on DVD and all the others on DVD. Those of us who don't really give a crap, we'll can we'll watch all of those plus this new stuff. <laughs> So, moving on. Other spin-offs, uh, sequels, etc., etc. As we brought up earlier with uh, Spider-Man, which I kind oh, of glossed over. I'm, I'm just uh, having one, one uh, thought here, Ian. Sorry. Yes. Uh, sorry to jump in there, but we've been going an hour and 40 minutes. What about... Uh, I? What about us having a sequel ourselves? What about asking uh, Merlin and Mike back uh, another time and uh, going on from from this point on and talking about those other films and Doctor Who? Or, or do you think we can wrap it up in the next Cult 10 or 15 minutes? The next generation. <laughs> yes, I'll play Picard. <laughs> all right, number one. <laughs> I mean, how do you all the guys think about that? I mean, as I say... Can we do a sequel? Can we knock it off? Sequels are never as good as the original. (laughs) (laughs) Right, that's write him out of the script. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or uh, write that character out. Randolph will recast as uh, ooh. Yeah, we'll get a girl with his boots. Yeah, yeah. uh, Mikey. Yeah, that's more feminine. So yeah. (laughs) What about you, Merlin McCarley? (laughs) Depending upon circumstances, here as usual. So. All right. I think um, I will uh, bow down to Dave's infinite wisdom, and especially since he's in the later time zone than the rest of us. Um, he's probably ready for sleep, and he needs his beauty sleep. You've seen po- pictures of him. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's 5.20 in the a.m. In, in the U.K. Oh, we don't have that clip. So, I mean, yeah, stuff. he's going to be up by... I mean, he's got a show to do tomorrow. So we can have a bright-eyed and bushy tail by the time the real Cultum goes out. 
So, to be continued. And, and, and you know what they say, Ian? Always leave them wanting more. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what I say to the ladies. Yes. <laughs> so, thank you all for listening in, and thank you, Merlin. Good to be here. And thank you, Mike, for joining us. Thank you for having me. And we shall continue this in our next studio show, The Cultum Collective, the sequel. Da, 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 da. <laughs> All right, that's enough of that then. <laughs> so until then, until our next studio show, it's good night from me. And it's good night from him. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.